G'day everyone and welcome to episode 97 of Double Jump Radio, the official podcast of DoubleJump.co. I'm your host, Abia, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, John and Kai. Kai, how you doing? I am phenomenal. I'm living the dream every day. How are you guys? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. I'm well. Didn't get to play much this week, but I did get to watch something and I'll talk about that a little bit later. What about you, John? Um, yeah, same deal. <laughs> Not much gaming firsthand, I think, for us this week. Um, just watch TV, like I think all of us kind of did. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we'll get to that later, though. Lots of gaming news, though, otherwise. Mm-hmm. T- TV mm-hmm. expects nothing of us. You just sit there and you watch it. And that's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Like, I don't know if you... Do you guys have a hierarchy of... This is the TV that I need to pay attention to, and then this is the TV that I can just, you know, switch my brain off and watch. Yes. Yeah, uh, I, I don't. I don't watch as much TV as I used to. So, I don't know. Kind of <laughs> wrestling's closer to <laughs> turn my brain off. I think, <laughs> which I guess counts. I, mean, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I try and have have two shows that I'm watching at a time. One that takes some brain power that I have to pay attention to. And one that I can watch while I am dead to the world and and still follow it, more or less. Just eating or whatever. <laughs> yeah. There's like, at the moment, I'm, I'm trying to get watch House of the Dragon. So mm. I've got that, but that's quite intense. So I've also got yep. Batman, which is chill. Yeah. That's what they say about Batman. He's, he's very he's, chill. He's, down yeah, to he's, earth. <laughs> he's just a guy, right? He's just... Just a guy in a cape and a you know, cowl. That's yeah, fr- friend, friendly neighborhood Batman. <laughs> that's what they say. <laughs> it was bitten by a radioactive bat. <laughs> Bruce Barker. <laughs> uh, well, we, speaking of uh, some uh, going off, off off the deep end with these uh, these character <laughs> uh, character uh, descriptions, how about we? Uh, switch things over and talk about the news again quite a lot that actually happened (laughs) this past week um first of all we've got we had a pair of direct presentations coming from nintendo and sony respectively uh, literally hours after we finished recording last week so, John, why don't you tell us about the, the Nintendo Direct that took place last, uh, I guess it was last Friday, yes. or slash Saturday for you. I mean, Thursday for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, immediately, <laughs> two hours after we recorded the last episode. Mm. Um, yeah, we'll see how fast to go through this, because there really is a lot to cover today. Um, first, mm. um, new trailer and information and release date for Splatoon 3's second um, DLC or like the wave two of its expansion pass. Um, it is being it is called Side Order. It is um, the mode takes place in um, quote what has become of Incopolis Square, the main hub of Splatoon Two. In quote what would have happened if Team Order had been Team Chaos. Not quite sure what that means personally since I haven't played it. But basically, it's sort of a parallel timeline situation. That's where this um, single player uh, DLC 
takes place in. Um, it stars Agent 8, who is the protagonist of the Octo expansion, Octo expansion DLC of Platoon 2, um, accompanied by Pearl, who is one of the idol hosts of Platoon 2 as well, alongside Marina, and her Pearl drone, who helps you in combat as you play. Um, so it's, um, as the trailer shows off, it's meant to be very replayable, has kind of a roguelike-ish vibe to it. It's meant to be something you kind of, you either can or, I don't think you have to at all, but it's meant to be something you can play again and get a very different experience out of. Um, mm. Yeah, so you, and it's kind of set in a skyscraper-like setting, so you kind of go from one floor to the next, and each time you clear a floor or whatever, you, you get kind of upgrading, upgrade, like currency you can use to upgrade your abilities as you progress through the spire. Um, so it's, oh, the spire of order is what it said in the um, press copy. So, um, and that is releasing in spring 2024, or here in Australia, um, autumn 2024. So in six months or so, something like that. Hmm. Um, after that was the announcement of Mario vs. Donkey Kong, which is a remake of the 2004 um, platform and puzzle game, same title for the Game Boy Advance. Um, more or less the same game, just with, um, you know, modern day visuals instead but it does add local co-op with the second player controlling Toad. Um, that's out in on February 16th next year. Um, <clears throat> there was one of several Shadow Drops um, after that, the first being for Horizon Chase 2. Um, it is an arcade racing game, very arcade-y uh, particularly. Um, it was originally released for Apple Arcade last year, but it is suddenly released for Switch and PC, uh, specifically mm. on the Epic Game Store. Um, when the direct happened around a week ago, um, and it also has crossplay support. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like a, I think, like a uh, modern take on the Outrun games that Sega released, you know, decade. I guess decades ago at this stage. Yeah, because I think the first one was very Outrunny. This one feels like it's kind of evolving a little mm. more to something a bit more broadly arcade racer. Yeah, um, I think, but yeah. Um, after that was the announcement of a release date for Konami's Super Crazy Rhythm Castle. It's sort of a it's um, a rhythm puzzle game mashup um, with co-op support. It's kind of got some like optional like Mario Party like or like party games mm -hmm. as well. Um, it is releasing for on November <laughs> November fourteenth um, for basically everything, uh, every console more or less. Um, they also announced that there will be music from Konami's other Konami properties from Beatmania, Gradius, and Castlevania. Um, I just want to jump in and say, not every console, every modern console. Sega, <laughs> okay. Sega Genesis, Commodore 64, the Ouya, I don't think they're getting it. The Atari Jaguar version, that's the one everyone wants to play. <laughs> I'm desperate to play this, my Ouya, that's sitting <laughs> under my fridge. <laughs> or my Nokia Engage. The Nintendo Virtual <laughs> Boy. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> this is pretty cool because number one, Konami's making actual games again, which is weird. <laughs> that in and of itself, um, but yeah, like the the little kind of throwbacks to classic Konami games is kind of cool, especially like the little beat mania um, section. It's mm. like, oh wow, <laughs> it's actually uh, like it actually piqued my interest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm interested. I wonder if this would be like um, Konami's theater rhythm. Where it's just mm. a franchise they can use to leverage their long history of amazing 
in-game music that they don't touch otherwise. Rather than making any of those games. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, something. Um, After that was the announcement of Spy Across Anya, um, Operation Memories. This is a life sim game based on the popular manga slash anime series Spy Across Family or Spy Family. I'm actually not sure how it's... Popularity. I, I thought it was. I always called a spy X family, but I guess Cross would technically technically be right. That's what Spinks, I thought. But Spinks there's family. Like, <laughs> there's another um, manga called Hunter Hunter. That mm. I've always pronounced as Hunter Cross Hunter, but apparently it's Hunter yeah. Hunter. <laughs> and now I'm just kind of. I now need to go <laughs> look it up for everything. <laughs> no, it's oh. it's it's actually the X stands for ten, so it's actually Hunter Ten Hunter. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Operation Memories is um, set for, to launch on PS5, PS4, Switch, and PC next year. Um, and despite the kind of action-y um, sort of, um, not focus, but content of the series, this one seems to be purely a life sim, like sort of slice of yeah. life sort of game following the main kid character, Anya. Um, doesn't seem to have any of the sort of spy shenanigans that no. is the rest of the series. So yeah, but that's exactly that's exactly what a spy would say if they were doing spy shenanigans. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Think about it. It's just. I mean, I, I guess like Anya technically was the breakaway character from that show. I feel like she's the one that all the merchandise and everything kind of like centers around. So it kind of makes sense that it's centered around her. But yeah, it's it's just like. It's like the live semi part of Persona, but it's a whole game. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> that sounds good. I'm on board for that. Yeah, I don't hate the idea. It, it just like yeah. it just kind of. I was like waiting for the spy stuff to start in the trailer, and then it didn't. And I was like, oh, <laughs> surprising. Um, Maybe that'll be the sequel, like Spy Spy X Lloyd, and then after that'll be like a Bayonetta style game with like. Um, Oh my god, I forgot the, the mum's name. <laughs> I have to. But it's like, that's not a bad idea though. <laughs> that <Yeah>. makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I can see that. Um, after that was a new trailer and some kind of new details on the Super Mario RPG remake. Um, aside from just being a trailer that shows off the game. So, you know, as I don't know. I don't think it shows off much new content, especially mm, as a no. remake that we've already can go play otherwise. Um Remake will add a new combat mechanic called the triple move. It's a super move powered up by successful moves or like, you know, taking successful actions in its turn-based combat. Um, Once it's powered up, it's basically a super move that you trigger and the move itself changes depending on who you've chosen to be in your three-person party um, with like, you know, unique cutscenes depending on who makes it up. Um, And there will also be post-game content with harder bosses that you can rematch against um following the end of the game so um yeah um after that was the announcement of another code recollection um these are remakes of the point and click adventure games um first one being another code two memories otherwise known as trace memory in europe um this was a ds game and then the second one being another code r a journey into lost memories which is a wii game Never released in North America, but it did release in Japan and Europe. Um, the entire package will feature overhauled visuals, fully explorable environments, new voice acting, puzzles, music, and more. 
as well as an optional hint and navigation system that I've been able to help people who don't really normally play adventure games because um, it's very it's sort of a story-centric sort of series. Um, that's releasing on January 19th next year. Um, after that was the first gameplay footage of Princess Peach Showtime, as well as the title. I don't think it had a title last time we saw it. Mm. It's it um, pretty cool. Yeah, I really like the look of mm. it. Um, it's the first... Oh, it's not the first game for Peach, but it's the first game in a while, and it's a very new game as well. I think the first one was a DS game that was purely platforming. Yeah. This one's a bit different. Um, it shows Peach transforming into different starring roles because it's very, like, theater-themed. Um, each starring role has a unique ability and types of gameplay involved, so it's not doesn't from what they've showed of the trailer, it doesn't seem to be just platforming or just combat. It seems to be lots of different types of gameplay depending on what roles you have. Um, so the the trailer shows the roles of sword fighter, detective, pastry chef, and kung fu master. So it's all very different. The like so the chef seems to be a lot of cooking mini games based on what they're showing um and detective seems to be more i don't know I, that one looked quite basic oh, like i guess puzzle focused actually um depending on what the actual game ends up being so yeah they need what do you guys to use think some of the they need to use some of their other franchises peach you know it puts on a detective costume and suddenly it's exactly ace attorney <laughs> should be a lawyer outfit <laughs> lawyer peach I mean I think this does I mean this is the second second uh, major like media release this year with a, a pink female main character who can play different roles but I think this might have a more positive message for women <laughs> than the other one uh, but I, I, I love the uh, I love the aesthetic of the stage play it's it's a really neat um it's a really neat kind of aesthetic to work with and and, and it really supports the idea of you know set changes and like background changes and different costumes and stuff i think it's a really great way to kind of present uh, that that idea i i just really hope that they do the the theater idea right i want to see a toad working as the stage manager you know, stoned out of his mind, but doing a bang up job anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, so, w- uh, would they be would they be called toadies? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to see Drysabone like as like the. Uh, uh, is it dry bones? No, dry bones, not Drysabone. Yeah, dry dry, bones. the jacket. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I want to see dry bones in a dryzer bone <laughs> at the back, <laughs> just with a headset yelling at everyone. <laughs> oh, I want like a, so a cool. supporting cast member who's clearly gunning for the lead role but isn't good enough for it. I want to see maybe Toadette is like angling, <laughs> angling for the Peach role. Understudy. <laughs> yeah, trying to trying to worm her way in front of Peach on stage every chance she gets. Showing off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah, that'd be cool. I, I, I think um, there was a game on. I think the PS4 or PS3. I am I thinking of not Unravel. I think it was. Is Tearaway? I'm not thinking. Is it Tearaway? I think there was. Are you talking about Puppeteer? I think that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yes. There was a game like that, like a couple of generations ago, that had um, 
yeah, this this kind of theater aesthetic, which which kind of flew under the radar, but I feel like was very well received back then. Yeah, uh, I I fan base. I it made me think of Battle Block Theater. Oh yeah, it's mm. that sort of theater framing device style. Mm. I mean, it kind of weirdly reminded me of um, Luigi's Mansion a fair bit, like the third one. I'm not quite. I'm not. I think it's because the setting of the third one is like a hotel with a lot of like theatrical style settings. So I think there's. I don't quite remember now, but there's a lot of like themed floors. That's probably why it reminded me of it now. Um, but I like fair. how it like throws back to. Because um, I think it was meant to be like deliberately throwing back to the origins of Mario as sort of like a stage play ish mm. like um thing like i like the idea of going back to that for peach to like create something yeah. new out of that idea yeah mm. um, oh yeah so um princess peach showtime is releasing on march 22nd next year um after that was the announcement of saga emerald beyond um next entry in the long-running jrpg series i'm releasing on um, PS5, PS4, Switch, PC, iOS, and Android early next year. Um, the announced features for the game is 17 unique worlds, six leading characters. Um, has apparently the uh, from um, the press release it has the greatest number of branching plots of any game in the series. Um, he says, um, "quote Even selecting the same protagonist for a second or third or fourth playthrough will lead to completely new events and stories, completely fresh path and experience." Um, which I've heard a lot of this series uh, that kind of yeah yeah it makes me think it's like oh maybe this is the time to get into it but apparently it's also the sequel to like the absolute one of the hardest games in the series <laughs> um, this time <laughs> so we'll see how it turns out so you gotta you gotta go back you've got six months to go back and finish the hardest game in that series and then come back <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sounds like something I'll do yeah um, <laughs> Um, after that was the announcement of Tomb Raider 1 to 3 Remastered um, coming out for most consoles and PC um, coming out on February 13th, 2024. So um, the whole collection includes every 1, 2, and 3 and the expansions um, for each one. Um, include upgraded graphics with the option to switch to the original polygonal, poly, <laughs> polygonal look um, at any time like Master Chief Collection or several other remastered mm. so it does the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It it definitely I think the upgraded graphics still look like they're from and like a like a P, it looks like the graphics of like a PS2 re-release of it, which so even though the upgraded graphics have still got that kind of I guess now would be considered a retro vibe as well, like retro 3D vibe. Mm. It's, I think it's I think it's, I think it's a it's an interesting set of games to do it with cuz the first three Tomb Raiders were very uh i don't know I, I just think of them as being very st st like they remind me of the original resident evil games where they're very stilty like you know you, you can't really move in a smooth arc or anything like that it's very clunky animation wise so and it's interesting that they've gone back i think that's why it's still kind of ps2 vibes is the puzzles in those three games are built around blocks and things mm. being cubes uh. um and you can't really <laughs> keep those puzzles without keeping that <laughs> style. They were intrinsically linked. Yeah. How much yeah. tessellation can I add to this plug? <laughs> How much depth can I add yeah. to these textures? <laughs> Ray tracing. <laughs> Just yeah. I, I do like that they're releasing on February 14, which is Lara Croft's canonical birthday. 
Oh, that's a nice, oh, that's oh. nice yeah. little thing. Nice. <laughs> um, after that was in uh, the second shadow drop of Trombone Champ, <laughs> the sort of comedy rhythm game that went viral for a moment last year, um, where you're just playing a trombone badly by nature, like innately. <laughs> you c- it can't not be goofy. Um, it is. It was. It was on um, first launched for PC on Steam last year. Um, now it's available on Switch now. Um, after that was a sec- another shadow drop for War Tales. Um, it's an open world tactics game, a lot grimmer and harder than Trombone Champ probably is. Um, it is. Um, sim- it was. It's been in early access for a couple of years. Launched um, fully out of early access in April this year and is now available on the Switch. Um, heard a lot of good things about that one actually. Very. Um, I was. I'm kind of curious how that port turns out. Um, after that was the announcement um, of Contra Operation Galuga um, being developed by WayForward for PS5, Xbox, PS4, the other Xbox, Xbox One, um, <laughs> Switch, and PC for early next year. Mm. Um, we'll have eight stages, multiple playable characters with distinct abilities, new and fan-favorite weapons, but with stackable upgrades and incredible overload abilities. Um, and multiple difficulty options and a wealth of extra content. Um, mm. So WayForward's got like a pretty solid track record yeah, for this kind of stuff. But sure. I'm curious how they can make a Contra game mm. more accessible without dulling it down too much. Like knowing yeah. that I know that series especially well, but I definitely tend to associate difficulty with it. So I'm curious how, how that turns out exactly. Yeah, they. I mean, that's where the... Is is it Contra that had the the Konami code originally? Is that the yeah. one? Okay. Oh, yeah. So that definitely ba- has a pedigree of being difficult. Basically, unplayably hard unless you use the Konami code. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe that'll just be built in. <laughs> the Konami code takes you back to three lives. You start with thirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um. After that was the announcement of Unicorn Overlord, a title I quite love, um, <laughs> a tactical RPG by Vanillaware, um, the rather celebrated developers behind 13 Sentinels, Dragon's Crown, Muramasa, and Own Sphere. Um, I'm kind of like, uh, anyway, um, I thought, at, like at a glance, I thought it was going to be a Fire Emblem riff, but watching the trailer again, it's very different. Um, Mm. It is um, from the press release. The features are traverse a vibrant world, assemble units and direct them into exquisitely animated battles from heroic deeds and grow renown through the five nations and cultivate a grand army with over 60 unique characters from humans and elves to massive beasts and heavenly angels um, due out on March 8th next year. Um, The gameplay, like the more I, I was revisiting the trailer today before we're recording this, I was kind of like expecting it to be more fire emblem-y but it's actually like i think like a lot of their games it's actually fairly um dense mechanically <laughs> like there's a lot yeah. going on it's got a, kind of like a real-time strategy vibe from the overworld aspect instead of like sort of the turn-based grid system of a lot of tactics games it's like in real time and everyone's kind of moving around um, and then you get into the um actual combat like a turn-based one-on-one combat with parties and that also seems to be like working on um 
not layers, but like, you know, kind of a forward and back system, like Etrian Odyssey or something. So yeah. it looks like there's a lot more going on than I expected, considering. And also yeah. it has got like a battle system. It's got that battle system that, that was it Adventure Quest? was like that browser, like... Um, <laughs> I played browser. it so much when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, 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 it's like the individual battles look like that to me. It's, yeah. And it's a bit of a callback, but <laughs> that's what it looked like to me. <laughs> right. Um, after that was a new trailer for Luigi's Mansion 2 HD, um, the Switch re-release of the 3DS title. Um I don't think there's much new info. The only one I can, only new information I could see, I'm not sure if it was available already, um, was that there will be a um, scare scraper mode that will have local and online um, co-op available. Um, and I just love the puns in there, like the the poltergust <laughs> was another good one. That's a classic. It's <laughs> <laughs> what I want out of a Luigi's Mansion game, <laughs> primarily <laughs> puns. puns. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so Mansion 2 HD will come out in summer 2024 or um, winter here. Um, after that was an, yet another shadow drop for F099, the F0 game everyone wanted. Um, it's a free download <laughs> for Nintendo Switch Online members, replace, you know, kind of the next in the line of 99 titles of like mm. Battle Royale retro Nintendo games, yeah. Um, yeah, well, what were there? There was, was it pa- Tetris ninety nine? Mm. Was there a Pac Man ninety nine? Yeah, pretty sure. And and I, I think, think was there a Mario one as well. I feel like there was a there Mario was one. there was a Mario ninety nine. There was yeah. okay. Um, F zero ninety nine is based on the um, SNES original title, F zero. Um, so it's you know very. It's the oldest F Zero could look, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, Gameplay wise and visually, um, there are unlockable customization options for both your car and your player profile, and there are also several different modes. So there's mini pre and grand pre modes that appear on such schedules, um, challenge you to compete and qualify in a series of races. There's team battle and the extra pro tracks mode that rotate rotate throughout the day, and there's also a practice mode where you can race against your own ghosts. Um, and yeah, um, in a way, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> aren't we all racing our own ghosts to the grave? That's true. That's, that's very <laughs> true. We've got to manage our energy. Got to not bump into each other. Yeah, it's a very, very appropriate metaphor for life. The rat yeah. race, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> that's philosophy, um. kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad Nintendo can teach us these things. <laughs> um, after that was the announcement of Bandle Tale, a League of Legends story, um, coming out on Switch and PC next year. It is a crafting RPG by the developer of Graveyard Keeper, set in the world of League of Legends. Um, I don't think there's too much else on that game yet. It's a very pretty game. Yes. Um, after that was another League of Legends story game, um, Song of Nunu. Um, this game was already announced. Um, this is basically just a release date, November 1st, later this year. Um, it is a single-player story adventure game by Tequila Works. They're the developer oh, who made Works. Guilt for um, <laughs> Google Stadia and now mm-hmm. everything else. And um, the Sexy Brutal and Rhyme right. years ago as well. Yeah. Oh, I um, love the Sexy Brutal. What a game. <laughs> um, after that was the release date of Euden Chronicle 100 Heroes. Um, kind of 
that had a Kickstarter several years mm. ago. It's been delayed a few times. Um, it is a JRPG from the key developers behind the Suikoden series or Suikoden. Um, coming to most consoles. Um, Classic RPG series. Uh, sorry, JRPG series. Yeah, it existed in a time where I was only, I think I only became aware of it like a year or two before the Kickstarter happened. I don't think I was yeah, like, I somehow yeah. did not hear much about that series at all from it. It was. I, it was like it wasn't one. It wasn't like a Final Fantasy where it was huge in the West. I think it was very much like if you played it, if you even knew about it, you were very much into the Japanese scene. The, like you're deep into the JRPG scene. Mm. Um, yeah, so that is coming out on April twenty third next year. Um, it'll also be available on Xbox Game Pass. Mm. Um, and yeah, so that's exciting. Um, after that was the announcement of DLC for Eastwood um, called Octopia. It's launching this holiday, in quotes, so no specific release date, but this year for Switch and PC. Um, it was not announced for Xbox One, the port that came out around nine months ago oh, okay. um, when I checked earlier. So, um, yeah, not sure if that's coming to that platform. Yeah, um, people blocktopia. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, the Octopia is set in um, from the um, press materials. It says, um, quote, just happy times in a parallel universe. So its content is standalone from the base game. It's accessed from the main menu when you get the DLC. Um, it seems mm. to be, I think it's, I'm not sure how, what the main game is mainly played as, but this DLC at least is like more just a farming sim, I think, primarily. I'm not sure if that's what yeah. Eastwood uh, like is default like, but this one definitely seems to be primarily that. Um, so yeah. Um, after that was the release date for Wargroove Two. The um, oh, I forgot the series name that it's based on. What's it called again? <laughs> you bought it a beer. <laughs> wait, wait, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't play it, but you bought it. <laughs> oh, of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got the name of the space. Um, the series is based on. Um, oh, Wargroove. Uh, oh, War, yeah, you're Warframe. No, it's uh, <laughs> the cute little um, like tactics it's a, it's game. A tactic, yeah, it's a tactic style game. Wait, you you mean like Advance Wars? Is it, what do you? Yes, I think that's it. <laughs> well, I don't know. I remember? Yeah, I think it's its own. Yeah, that's it. Series, yeah, Advance Wars, but it's based on that style. No, that's what I was trying to remember. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, glad we figured that out. Um, after Wargroove was um, the announcement of the a switch port of Dave the Diver, um, a recently announced or recently completed released um, title on PC that was very acclaimed when it came out. Um, yeah, so the Switch version will be releasing digitally on October 26th. Um, and after that was the announcement or release window for the final wave of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe's Booster Course Pass. Um, it's announced the first, cave, uh, first course from it, um, Daisy Circuit from Mario Kart Wii. And... Um, mm. The returning characters of Diddy Kong from Mario Kart Double Dash, Funky Kong from Mario Kart Wii, and Pauline and Peachette from Mario Kart Tour. 
So past six, wave six is set for this holiday. That's all we know. So this year, basically. Yeah, I was very disappointed that they said, "Oh, Diddy Kong from Mario Kart Double Dash." I'm like, you mean Diddy Kong from A Donkey Kong Country and B <laughs> Diddy Kong Racing? But I guess maybe because they're rare, they were rare developed titles. I can't mention them. I, don't know I, I think they just wanted to to link it to the Mario Kart series. That's what, yeah. That's not, what I was thinking, but then I'm like, they're not no. really returning from Diddy Kong Racing. <laughs> <laughs> True, that might imply that there's like a whole bunch of like new stuff coming from that game. <laughs> yeah. People start suddenly putting together like a Zelda timeline of Mario Kart. <laughs> In this timeline, Diddy Kong is alive. <laughs> where where was Diddy Kong during the events of Super Mario World? I have to know. <laughs> Why weren't you there, Diddy? <laughs> you were the original Diddy Kong. How could you let this happen, Diddy? <laughs> Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, sorry and then and then we had uh paper diddy (laughs) (laughs) um yes so lastly the announcement of paper you mean p diddy (laughs) 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 sorry john (laughs) um I was saying, yes. Uh, the announcement of Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door, a remake of the original GameCube game um, with, quote, updated graphics. So from what we've seen with the trailer, it seems to be visually tweaks that are more reminiscent of later games in the series, sort of being mm. more craft-based. You know, like where you kind of get a sense of the cardboard and paper and textures being a bit more lifelike. Um, yeah, so Thousand Year Door, I think, is like broadly regarded as like the best entry in the series as well mm. as the first um and it's also the first re-release in the game since it came out in 2004 so it's been kind of a long time coming um and yeah so the thousand door thousand year door is set for next year and yeah so got a good number of releases from nintendo for the switch um next year already i I don't know, I, I get the sense that all the games announced here, like the fact that there aren't any major new like new new releases from Nintendo proper, kind of suggests that this is like, these are like the games you announced for the end of the console's life. <laughs> yeah, like, this, like, like I don't is 2024 the final year of the Switch being the only like main Nintendo console before the sequel? I, I agree, it does sort of feel like we're at that that winding down period where they're still putting out you know some some really great sounded games but i think mm. we're we're done with the big hitters for the the switch yeah really there's a lot of remakes actually there was mario yeah. vs donkey kong and there was um Super mario rpg there's and another mario. code and then doesn't your door Oh, just from Nintendo, I mean. It's like there were yeah. four remakes from just from them mm. in this Direct. It's <laughs> a lot. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I oh, know, not too much stood out for me from the Direct this time. Like, um, I, I was, I'm excited for the Thousand Year Door because I've heard good things about that game forever. But, um, and Peach game looks fun. I think that could be quite good depending on yeah, yeah how it turns out. Yeah. But um, I think those, yeah. ones, those ones seem great. I'm excited for the Tomb Raider. 
re remaster. Um, mm. But that's just because I'm a big Tomb Raider fan. Now, well, let's switch things up from Team Nintendo to Team PlayStation and talk about the other major direct that happened last week, which was uh, the PlayStation September State of Play presentation. Um, for that, we we've uh, we've had some uh, some some. It was a it was a smaller direct overall, a much much shorter one as well. So let's let's go through it quickly. The first thing was we got a release window for Baby Steps, which seems like a spiritual successor to Quop. Yes, <laughs> from what I saw, <laughs> uh, and that's uh, expected to that's scheduled to come out on PS5 and PC on Steam in summer 2024. So our winter, so say mid 2024. Mm. After that, we had the release date for Roblox. Uh, for the PlayStation 5 and 4 versions of Roblox, which are coming out on October 10th. These versions will have cross-play with the other versions of Roblox across the world. So now, if you are a parent looking to protect your children from the the dirge of Roblox, and you're looking at PlayStation as your last bastion, <laughs> it is going away <laughs> next month. <laughs> Prepare for a harder existence, parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you hey, lost. Your children will. <laughs> you know what? It, it's about time your kids learnt about capitalism. So, <laughs> them and what it's like to being an be an artist in twenty twenty three. Monopoly doesn't cut it anymore because there's a chance you can win Monopoly. Welcome to <laughs> Roblox. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, we had a release date announcement for. Ghostbusters Rise of the Ghost Lord uh, which is coming to PlayStation VR 2 and the Oculus wait Meta Quest on October 26th so it was good to it was good to see that uh, Sony remembered that the PSVR 2 exists because that seems like that's been the case for ever since the 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 the, the accessory released uh, when did it come out did it come out this year or last year I feel like Feels a long ago. <laughs> I feel like it actually hasn't been that long since it came out, but it just seems like a long time because n- no one, like Sony, hasn't spoken about it. Yeah. It was it was February this year the VR two came out. <laughs> See, if you said it came out two years ago, I'd be like, oh yeah. <laughs> That's just time at the moment, though. You could tell me <laughs> tell me anything came out at any time, and I'd just shrug me like, yeah, probably. Was it? <laughs> Pre-pandemic or post-pandemic, yeah. we got to know this. <laughs> that's that's all that matters to me at this point. Did it happen before yeah. the world went to hell <laughs> or afterwards? <laughs> well, speaking of the PSVR two, we had new footage of the uh, VR mode for uh, the Resident Evil Four remake. Uh, which is coming to PlayStation VR 2 as a free update later this year. Um, and it, it was good to see confirmation that it would actually be the full campaign uh, and not just like a, a separate, like smaller mode. Um, the other, in, in related Resident Evil 4 news, uh, the separate ways, uh, I guess, f- 
free is it a free update or it's a no it's not I, okay so the separate ways one separate ways kind of dlc it's a reimagined version of the mini campaign that was part of resident evil 4 when it was originally released and which which focused on ada wong who's seemingly been uh, i think she's been infected by one form of the the lost plaga virus and she's kind of searching for a cure um and that is coming out I guess by the time you hear this, it'll be out. And then the other thing that'll be out is a free update for the Mercenaries, which adds uh, the Mercenaries game mode, which adds Albert Wesker and Ada Wong as playable characters in that mode. Um, Fin- yeah. Finally. That one is free. Mercenaries <laughs> mode will have a competent person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The, the m- and Albert Wesker. Yeah. The more <laughs> I learn about Resident Evil, the more it, I realise that Ada Wong has every brain cell in that series. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it, it's multiple games that Leon like gets thwarted and outsmarted by her. He's, he's a bumbling idiot like, in comparison. It's, it's always played as Ada being incredibly intelligent and playing both sides and pulling the strings. But everyone yeah. else in that series is so fucking dumb that Leon. <laughs> That's what I think of when I think of brain dead characters <laughs> in Resident Evil. Just sorry, that was <laughs> so accurate, and it came out of nowhere. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> didn't mean to. Didn't mean to scare you there. <laughs> My alter ego. <laughs> I, I, I role players actually on the weekends. Look, what what you do in the privacy of your own home is your business. <laughs> Make that cash a beer. <laughs> do we have to? We, yeah, don't damsel uh, shame me, okay? <laughs> um, Let's move on. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, you know, speaking of hellish situations that I'm in, uh, we've got we had a walkthrough and a release date announcement for Hell Divers 2. Uh, the developer took us through a, a mission where the, uh, four four players were taking on a bile titan. Which for for half the the walkthrough, I thought they were saying bio titan. Then I saw the writing and it said bile, and I'm like, okay, I don't know what makes more sense. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this this was kind of a, a throwback for me because it featured kind of like the 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 staged, you know, voice chat of the games that got announced around, you know, the the PS4 Xbox One launch, like from that era, you know, like the reveal trailers for the, you know the Division and Need for Speed Rivals and stuff that had the very kind of like staged. Yeah, I thought they did pretty good with this one. It sounded like real enough. (laughs) Yeah, like it it was. um, I I know it was like. Now that no one does it anymore, it's like actually endearing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and then uh, yeah. So there's a teaser for the uh, robotic enemy faction, which is coming back from the original game, and it's coming out on PS5 and Steam. Uh, on February 8th, 2024. And just a reminder, Helldivers 2 is actually a bit of a departure 
from Helldivers 1 in, in terms of the way you're playing it. It's now like a third-person shooter. Think of something more like a Lost Planet versus um, the original, which was more like an isometric... I, I don't know how to... Like, like a... I'm trying to think of a game that I could compare it to, but it's like like a more like an isometric top-down like action shooter. So a little bit of a change, but it looks cool. Um, after that, we had an info dump for Marvel Spider-Man Two, and 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 an extra look at the the new version of New York that um uh, the game showcases. Which it was weird. It, it, I heard it being referred to Marvel's New York, which makes me very concerned. Because I just, <laughs> like, in my head, I'm thinking of, like, a cyberpunk future where corporations have <laughs> have purchased cities because the governments can't afford them anymore. That's just, <laughs> that's just me and my twisted brain. But it looks, it looks beautiful. Um, the, the developer said that there were, um, it's, it's roughly doubling, almost doubling the size of the original game's map. Because it's adding Brooklyn and Queens as two new boroughs for the, the city. Um, there's going to be like a GTA 5 style uh, switching between characters, um, which I guess taking advantage of the super fast storage on the PS5 means it's almost instantaneous. And then uh, there's a new traversal mechanic uh, called the Web Wings, which it's it's like as you can imagine, it's like uh, your was like gliding. It's like it's like you got webbing. You got like webbing um uh, on your on your suit that lets you kind of glide through the air and especially when you combine it with the traditional swinging y- you you are traveling at quite quite a speed uh through through the game from what it was shown uh there are now um some some of the the activities or the the side quests in the game uh are going to lead to quote climactic showdown with marvel villains not yet seen in this spider-man universe which is um uh end quote which uh uh, should be be pretty cool to see what other cavalcade of wicked characters we'll get, we'll get to come up against. Because I feel like Insomniac has got a real reverence for the source material, which I which I really appreciate um, for for like a for a game like this. I just and yeah, I just really want a trippy Mysterio boss fight. That's yes. that's all I want from Spider Man Two. <laughs> I'd like the That's side quest to be idea. like good. <laughs> when I played through Miles and like replayed the first one, it's just like a lot of the side content is very side content is very very forgettable. So the you, idea you that didn't like be, catching pigeons. <laughs> that was one of the better ones. I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's baffling that catching pigeons is one of the most more memorable side quests. <laughs> yeah, <in> Spider-Man <laughs> one. Yeah. So what we're hearing is John John wants more variations in terms of the crime that's being committed <laughs> in this in this world. What if what if in he, real life and Spider Man's <laughs> What if he still catch pigeons but you can now also catch seagulls? That's true. That's true. It's the, kind the of variation I'm demanding. Yeah. <laughs> also there's a the gull mafia is rising. There's the secret side quest, uh, when you get the venom suit where you catch crows and you venom them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh speaking of uh you know uh, extra content the game's now going to feature 65 suits in total and they're also going to be uh suit styles which is which is a way uh for for players to unlock 
I guess, various colorways for, for some of the suits in the game. So it's just... Uh, I mean, the the uh, cynical part of me is like, oh, yeah, more more things you can pay for with microtransactions. But, hey, who knows? Maybe there'll be, like, a fun way to, to spru- uh, spruce up the, the look of your characters, of Miles and, and Peter, and I guess Venom as well in the game. <laughs> um, I I, I want to play Spider-Ham. That's all I want. Can a boy dream? <laughs> I want to. I want to play his man spider. Uh, oh who, yes, yeah. That'd uh, be scary so, though. So for those who don't know, man spider, uh, man spider is a old version of Spider-Man who is genuinely made up of thousands of spiders that come together in essentially a skin suit. Yes, uh, and it's it's terrifying, <laughs> and I so desperately <laughs> want to play as man spider. And, and wasn't there also, and there, there are also like depictions of him where he's basically a spider, like instead of being made up of the little spiders, he's also like one of them is like he's just a giant spider in a Spider-Man costume. I'd I'd play sure. that man spider as well. Yes. You know, let's <laughs> ditch the superheroes. Let's just play as spiders. <laughs> that sounds great. That's what I've been saying. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Well, I desperately want more games where I'm playing animals. <laughs> there aren't many, many of them where you're playing in like a real life. I don't know. Never mind. <laughs> Off track. <laughs> but I agree. John wants to play Tokyo Jungle again. <laughs> I do. I've been thinking about that lately. <laughs> I is think that it even available for streaming here? We don't get the streaming ones, do yeah, we? Yeah, there's no way it is. Yeah. yeah. I think Lighting. at some point you've got to take away the realism to make a fun game. Because playing as a real spider... Yeah, mostly spin a web at the start and then you wait. And that's the life <laughs> of a spider. <laughs> that's true. <Yeah. laughs> and then if you're, a, if you're a male spider, you just get eaten yeah. by a female spider. <laughs> Even if you mate successfully. It's like a quick time event. <laughs> or like a, a trapdoor spider. You're just like a, in a hole for your entire life. <laughs> <laughs> it's a quick time event. You fail it, you get eaten. But you succeed, you also get eaten. Yeah. <laughs> that's true that's true um yes uh, after that we had uh the announcement of beyond the dawn uh downloadable content for tales of arise uh this is set a year after the original game's ending and it's got uh, an additional 20 hours of game content uh new quests dungeons boss fights new story arc um and it's all all set within the same uh world of the game and this is uh uh, slated to be released on November 9th, so only a couple of months away. And then lastly, we had a new look as well as an announcement uh, of the release date for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which is the follow-up chapter in the remake series of Final Fantasy VII. So this one is... Uh, let's see, it's got, it's got more of a focus on, quote, free exploration end quote across a world map it's going to end at the forgotten capital from the original game Uh, there are now more team-based abilities in combat and that this game is standalone so your save data from the previous version of the game uh, so whether it's Final Fantasy 7 remake or Final Fantasy 7 remake integrate which was like the updated version that came out on PS5 uh, you don't you don't need save data to come across from that, and having that save data won't necessarily affect the story in any way. But it will uh, mean that you can unlock some in-game bonuses 
uh, which I don't know I feel like there's a missed opportunity that could be really cool like depending on what you had what you did in the first game you can, you can get some uh, like some some different dialogue options or something but hey you know what it, it takes long enough for these games to come out I'm uh, I'm just hoping that in, in two two to three years whenever like when this when Rebirth's PC version comes out it's going to have graphics options besides high and low <laughs> which <laughs> which apparently that was all that the the remake got on PC <laughs> it's like three options <laughs> so we'll see the game looks gorgeous like I, I think graphically it looks very impressive so like Square Enix has done an, another banger job in terms of the graphical fidelity of the of the remakes and yeah like that I think the the larger scale of it looks really really cool in in, in the modern engine yeah. Cool. Not a Final Fantasy guy, but it looked pretty good. Mm. Mm. And I uh I struggled to remember the names of every, everyone in that character in that <laughs> in that trailer. I'm like, okay, that's Soldier Guy. There's Brunette Soldier Guy. Okay, that's Sephiroth cuz he's the the hot half demon guy. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard to forget <laughs> Sephiroth's name when whenever he appears, the music screams <laughs> it at you all the time. <laughs> That's true. Like, yeah. I feel like I'd, I'd remember Cloud's name better if the theme for the game was like Cloud, Cloud, Cloud. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I want to walk into. Uh, I want to be introduced every time I walk into a room, like a, like sort of like a wrestling entrance, but like with orchestral music and a, and a Gregorian chant of my name. That would be great. I feel like everyone everyone should have background music that incorporates their name, and then we'd never have to you know introduce ourselves. You just listen for the background music and you're like, It's John! It's John! And you're like, John, how are you? <laughs> uh, and every time you've got to shake someone's hand, you've got to do a quick time event. You've got to hit successive. And if you fail it, like a knock, they knock your hand out of the way. <laughs> you try it again. That would actually be pretty cool. The world would be a better place. <laughs> yeah. to, maybe that's how like introverts feel when they go to uh, to like social gatherings. Like it's like a game to them. They're like, okay, I've got this much energy. I can I can expend <laughs> it in certain ways. <laughs> As one of those, it's close, <laughs> close that's, enough. <laughs> that's just spoon theory, but <laughs> <laughs> resource management. <Yeah. laughs> uh, John's just he's just got four dialogue options, and they're trying to pick the one that. <laughs> it's gonna win over the person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that that wraps up the state of play for for Sony September. Mm. Yeah. Thoughts? Yeah, I think similar. Like it's a uh, like the Nintendo one. That not not really any massive like you know surprise drops or anything like that. I think all of this stuff is was expected that we'd be getting updates on this stuff so i mean mm. yeah we'll see there are three new colors of uh the oh dual yeah. sense <laughs> and oh yeah. plates for the cover plates for the uh the ps5 so we've got like a metallic red metallic blue and like a metallic silver or yeah which uh i don't know why they were called the earth colors because when i think you know when I think of the earth, I don't think of metallic blue. 
<laughs> as the, the primary color. <laughs> They're really good at picking colors I don't want at all. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why for me, like the rumors of the, the PS5 Pro or the, the Slim seem like they're things that might be a bit far away because like Sony is not done with the original hardware in any way. Yeah. Mm. But I, a lot of people own them already, you know, so they might, like people are going to keep buying them whether they have one of the flatter ones <laughs> or not. Yeah. So maybe. Yeah. What did you think of the presentation, Kai? Um, yeah, this is really what I expected. I don't think we're going to see many, you know, major announcements this year. I think October is so huge that there's there's so much coming out. Studios would be silly to try and compete with with the upcoming news cycle by making big announcements now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, think, I agree. Yeah. I think it'll be a big year for the Game Awards, so <laughs> they'll, they'll happen in December once the news cycle has calmed down a little bit from the hype. No. Uh, so that's when we'll get yeah. DLC updates for Spider-Man and, and maybe another big, big announcement to keep people interested. Man Spider DLC announced at the Game Awards. It's going to be the headline. It's going to open the show. You can you heard it here first. <laughs> it's Man, going to happen. Man Spider himself will come out to introduce an award. <laughs> <laughs> this is for best indie game. <laughs> is that a spider's talking? Is that what else? It's, just, it's a dialect. How do you think spiders talk? <laughs> not, That's a good question. Not just spiders. Silent. A mass of spiders all talking at <laughs> once. Of, once, yeah. <laughs> no, um, I, I'm picturing the reveal. It's going to be like, you're going to see like one little spider and then you see another one and then it's like, and then you see like it's pulls away and it's like thousands of spiders forming. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> I, I was thinking it comes out of Spider-Man. And then takes the mask off, and it's all spiders spider. <laughs> spilling out. <laughs> Keely finally does something cool with the Game Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff oh. Keely swarmed by spiders. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Keely is man spider. <laughs> finally, host of Game Awards does something interesting, eaten by spiders. Oh. <laughs> uh. That really would make my opinion of him go higher than it currently is. <laughs> um, yeah, Jeff, you've got well, to do it. Do it for the fans, Jeff. <laughs> do it for me. <laughs> I need that image. <laughs> um, I will say before we move on, it did get me re-excited for Helldivers as someone who's very into mm. that one. Um, yeah. I think it's like, um, I think that gameplay snippet kind of really showed, as someone who has played the first one, how well at least from the look of it, they've carried over the first game into this new gameplay format. Like, they've done it in a way that hasn't seemed to, like, soften it, you know? Like, they've taken all the good stuff from it and just made it bigger and newer. <laughs> and, like, having, like, the kind of armor and, like, the way that, you know, shows them using a missile launcher on an enemy and all, a bunch of it just, like, falls off, like, chunks of it. And, like, mm. as well as, like, the armor systems, which I don't think they showed off in that snippet, but it reminded me a lot of why I was excited for it in the first place. It's like, oh, I'm still very on board with this game, even more so now. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that was my takeaway. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, it seems like everything wasn't all rosy in the world of games. It seems like we had a little bit of turmoil at Ascendant Studios, Kai. Um, turmoil is certainly one word for it. Uh, so the studio behind Immortals of AVM, um, or Ascendant Studios, has laid off about 45% of their staff just weeks after the game's release. Um, hmm. It's workers estimated that before the layoffs, the studio employed between 80 and 100 people. Um, around 40 of them were, were laid off in this latest batch. Um, one former worker uh, said that the poor sales of Immortals of AVM were cited for the layoffs, which, are, which were then said to be necessary to keep the studio running. Um, so after that story... Bit of a shame came out on it is it is absolutely a shame um so after that story broke on polygon and subsequently kotaku uh ascendant studio ceo brett robbins put out a statement on twitter um in attempting to to assure people that things would be okay um said that they are supporting those affected in every way we can including comprehensive severance packages and job placement assistance as well as support services for those remaining um and thank yeah. those that he's just fired so mm, it rings a little bit hollow for me yeah it's i don't know like some people uh, i think that game reviewed between a six and an eight from most places so let's say it averaged about a seven out of ten it's like it's crazy that like that game like a 7 out of 10 game is like a failure like never I feel like back in even a couple of generations ago like a 7 out of 10 game was fine like you'd you'd still play it like you wouldn't just say I'm not even going to touch it I mean it's not the the ratings that cause this it's the sales yeah you know there are 10 out of 10 games that don't sell well that's true and there are 3 out of 10 games that you know, sell like hotcakes. Mm, mm. Yeah, you know, it's very sad. But I think it's also it was a it was a game that kind of didn't get a lot of the a lot of attention. There wasn't a lot of promotion behind it. It was mm. it was interesting because it was one of the first third party Unreal Engine five focus games that really showed off the capabilities of the engine uh, but besides that like there wasn't really much talk about the game itself in the lead up to its release yeah it really went went under the radar a little bit and unfortunately most studios are in this position where it is only one game going selling poorly that means half your staff have to go mm. I think that's just the, the situation the industry's in mm. Um, some of the yeah. reports of this, like of this news, like they kind of like talk about the sales, we're also talking about how like demanding it is. So it ended up like just because of how, you know, like Unreal Five and the like using so many of the features, like current cutting edge features that it's capable of, means that very few PC players could actually play it because <laughs> of how like it's, you know it's just like like it's kind of a um a natu- like unfortunate results of like pushing for a game with a smaller studio on like mm. with you know more impressive visuals to try and like get attention push like push themselves 
further like push their you know a creation further i don't know you know what i mean that's <laughs> it's no, like I, it's I'm, like it's I'm a pity following. and it's like yeah and it's like that, it's a pity that's the um it hurts them ultimately like they're already in a tough position and it's like that kind of risk reward of do we push further and kind of like mm. you know helps it, us get it, attention but it wasn't you know. a bad decision it just hasn't paid out yeah this yeah. time yeah and, and now we see the consequences um, but mm. speaking of, of bad decisions, a beer. Uh, yes. So uh, we've had some developments uh, in the world of Unity um, from last week. So last week we we uh, dis- we talked about the fact that Unity announced a a decision to implement a runtime fee uh, for uh, to, for developers. So they'll essentially be, be be paying a tax when when more than a certain number of uh, installations of the game of Unity powered games have taken place, and this was something that was retroactive to anyone who had uh, used Unity as a game engine. Which, uh, needless to say, it caused a lot of a backlash, and there was a lot of a lot of like lack of clarity around the specifics of who will be affected and how they'll be affected it, it seemed it very much seemed like a decision that wasn't very well thought out and the other thing that was made it worse was the fact that a lot of senior executives cashed out their unity shares just shortly before the game came uh before the announcement was made and that that didn't really and that that kind of hinted at the fact that these even the senior executives knew that this would be a bad decision and so they decided to divest the, their shares rather than hold on to them and, and lose a lot of the value. So since then, um, the first thing, uh, a couple of things we had was Unity apologized for the, uh, I guess the, and number one, announcing the fee changes, and number two, a lot of the lack of clarity and the negative impact it's had on developers and, yeah, like Im- imagine being a smaller developer and then basically your profitability has gone out the window because of a change made to a contract that you signed potentially years ago. But, you know, it's like the rug's being pulled out from under you. So this is the uh, the statement. Uh, this, this is coming to us uh, via Kotaku. Quote, we apologize for the confusion and angst the runtime fee policy we announced on Tuesday caused. We are listening, talking to our team members, community, customers and partners and we will be making changes to the policy. We will share an update in a couple of days. Thank you for your honest and critical feedback. End quote. So uh, following that, Bloomberg reported that Unity briefed its staff on the changes to the runtime policy and uh, the the details which as yet haven't been confirmed but uh, the, the details that were apparently shared with internal staff at Unity were that uh, Install fees would be limited to uh, to 4% of a game's revenue uh, for customers who make whose games make more than $1 million, um, $1 million US dollars. Uh, furthermore, and that Bloomberg understands, uh, while its sources say that installations counting towards that threshold will not be added retroactively, and that it is considering a cap on any potential fees. So it's... Uh, you know, you need to get to uh, the one million 
dollars in revenue going forward. So if your game had already reached one million dollars in revenue previously, you're not going to have to retroactively pay these fees. It's only going to apply if your games reach a million dollars after this this whenever this announcement gets made. Um, and then this this is a this is a report. Uh, originally from the ABC, um, but uh, shared by Kotaku Australia, um, saying that, let's see, uh, the Australian games industry, we're a very small game industry in comparison to the UK, US, and even Japan, and there are a lot of, a lot of our developers are very, very small. Um, so, quote, changes like the ones Unity outlined last week would be a crushing blow to a local scene only now securing reliable government funding end quote and that is a reference to the uh, to screen Australia's expansion pack funding initiative and as well as the the digital tax offset that is uh, uh, going to come into play over the coming years it's yeah uh, I, I guess I didn't really think about the impact it would have on our scene here in Australia which uh, you know that's kind of bad on me <laughs> but yeah considering the fact that we're so small it does make sense that a lot of our developers are using Unity as their game engine, given their size. Yeah, Australia is a Unity-heavy country in in the game dev space, at least. Mm, mm. So. Um, so, another piece of news coming out of uh, coming out of the wake of the original announcement is that uh, several uh, major mobile game developers uh, have started turning off ad monetization to boycott Unity's runtime fee. Uh, so developers um, uh, writing in, uh, in an open letter, I guess, to, to Unity, uh, saying that they're turning off any iron source and Unity ads features to services that uh, Unity offers developers to monetize their games. So it's, it's the built-in monetization features in the engine. So, and then they'll... Uh, they they said that they will turn back on these features if and when Unity r reverses its policy, which uh yeah which I guess no one was happy about. Um, another thing that happened is that uh, Unity closed several U.S. offices last week after there was a quote potential threat made last Friday. Um, yeah, death threats threats of violence things like that are not the solution i understand that people are very upset but you don't need to resort to this uh like i i don't think it's called for like i, I mean assuming that this is a real you know that threats were actually made if they were made it's not cool uh, regardless of how you feel yeah mm. and the last uh, last piece of news from from the uh, in the wake of the Unity announcements, uh, is that uh, ReLogic, which is the developer of Terraria, has uh, offered to pay. Uh, let's see, they they have offered to donate hundred thousand dollars US uh, to each of the I guess open source engines, which. Uh, which are competing against Unity, so Godot, which I think is the most most prominent open source alternative, and the FNA engine, and it's also sponsoring projects that are using. Uh, uh, let's see, th and it's also 
sponsoring projects. Um, how, should, how should I put this? So developers using these open source engines get $100,000 and that each of those game engines are going to get $1,000 a month US moving forward. Um, with the proviso that, you know, these even these open source projects do the right thing and look after their their customers or their users going forward, which is pretty cool. It's a kind of a putting your money where your mouth is type move that is really awesome, uh, awesome to see. And I really hope that other developers kind of get together and, and support each other, especially um, ones that have you know gone r- risen from being a a smaller developer to a to a larger player like Relogic. So I'm really happy to see that. Yeah, uh, yeah, John. <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't actually have much to add. It's like it's hopefully um, I like that move in particular, like the Terraria Studio yeah. kind of. You know, they've I think they've sold like over forty million copies of that game alone, and they can't leave it because of how much money they make. So they just keep adding more yeah. to it. Um, so I like the yeah. idea of using, you know, it's, a, it's it's cool to see it like indie heavyweight like that, being able to having the freedom to do something like that in the wake of all this so yeah. hopefully it is yeah well, it would be nice if it wasn't necessary but yeah yeah definitely but um yeah money talks and I guess in this case it's money's being put to the right places and people are helping each other out which I think is super duper awesome but uh that's that's we've had a lot of news come out uh, over the past week and we've talked a lot about it this episode but might want to take a seat because there's a lot more coming our way. <laughs> John, what's happening? What is happening over at Xbox? Yeah, Xbox didn't want all the attention away from them. <laughs> um, there was a massive leak of Microsoft internal documents related to the FTC case um, over the Activision Blizzard acquisition. Um, mm. It was originally shared as part of that. Um, the FTC actually came out and said they're not responsible and like specifically said it was Microsoft's fault. Um, Douglas Farah from the, he was the <laughs> public um, affairs director. Oh, the, um, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, it doesn't um, he said, quote, the FTC was not responsible for uploading Microsoft's plans for its games and consoles to the court website. Then he later said, <laughs> later in the day, Microsoft was responsible for the error in uploading these documents to the court. Microsoft provided the link on, four, on the 14th of September and the court uploaded the exhibits to the internet page established for the case. So, yeah, Microsoft did, did something dumb and revealed a whole lot of their internal scheduling um, all at once. Um, mm. So the information itself is, first, um, a big overview of at least of um, Xbox's plans for like a mid-gen hardware refresh, at least as of a couple of years ago because all these documents or these documents in particular are dated for april um, 2022 so oh not even two years actually yeah pretty recent but you know things can change um first is a rounder discless xbox series x um codenamed brooklyn um the documents state that the console will have quote more internal storage faster wi-fi reduced power and a more immersive controller which we'll get to in a second um, the, this console also ditches the standard Series X, like the disc tray in it, all digital, um, which is um, kind of funny when it's <laughs> kind of disc-shaped. <laughs> and now it doesn't, can't do it. Um, going to another slide, the Brooklyn, this like, particular version of the console, will release um, at the end of next year, November 2024, 
with two terabytes of storage for the same price as the current Xbox Series X. So US $499 and however much it is here, like $750, I think, here. Mm. I'm not quite, quite remember. Um, as well as the new Series X, there is a new controller. Um, it will um, include new haptic feedback and accelerometer accelerometer <laughs> features how do you say that word um accelerometer accelerometer i was not prepared to say it um it will have modular thumbsticks and a rechargeable and swappable battery so kind of yeah so kind of make um getting on the same wavelength cool. as the dual yeah. sense and joysticks technically um yeah. modular thumbsticks kind of echoes the elite controls a little bit and the rechargeable swappable battery seems to be a bit of a... I'm not sure how... Uh, it, they've had that before, but I think they changed over with the series consoles to internal batteries, so... They've got oh, okay. jumping back, well, maybe? I, I've, got a, I've got an Xbox Series S, like, series controller for that I play with my PC, and it still has a AA... Like, you still put in AA batteries in there. Okay. Yeah. But I use rechargeable batteries, like myself, but uh, I'm not sure if that's... Yeah, this, this would... This is a, like a, a different change up to it. I don't, right. know, I don't know if it's better or worse because uh, maybe it's maybe it is better in the long term because it means less people are gonna be inclined to use disposable batteries. But on the flip side, the batteries themselves are uh, you know proprietary and have their own life. But the good mm. thing is, unlike the the Dual Sense and the Dual Shocks and the Nintendo Pro controller. You don't have to. Uh, well, when the battery dies or doesn't charge anymore, you can get another one and put it in, and the controller still works. And you don't have to open up your controller and try and do all that work yourself. Or, you know, inevitably, what people are probably going to do is throw them away. Yeah. So it's um, yeah, better in terms of resources, at least. Mm. Hopefully, um, as part of this like same batch of documents. With the um, hardware refresh, it also mentions X and Xbox Series S refresh. They include one terabyte of storage um, for next September, and also includes some of the same features of this new Series S, Series X, um, such as improved Wi-Fi support. So um, yeah, so considering how recent that is, I think it's probably likely a lot of those things are, remain true. This kind of hardware stuff, but yeah. Um, We'll wait to see, I guess. Um, hmm. After that was the... Um, there was also a leak from Bethesda included. Um, a little older, just from... It was um, from 2020, not 2022. Um, a kind of basic release schedule for the um, their next like schedule of titles over the next four years or so. So it mentions a lot of games that are already out because it's from 2020. But it also mentions mm. um, the Indiana Jones game for 2022. They did not come out. Um, I'll, I'll just list them off. So for 2022, it had scheduled the Indiana Jones game by Machine Games. Um, the Oblivion remaster that was leaked a few months ago, I think is being done by Virtuos. Um, Starfield DLC for when Starfield's meant to release quite a bit earlier. Um, and three planned titles that were unnamed. For 2023, it has Doom Year Zero and DLC, um, and that's and then a couple of unnamed um, projects, Project Kestrel and Project Platinum, which I'm not sure have been otherwise um, leaked in any way. 
as we know him. Um, but Doom Year Zero would assumedly be Ed Games' next project because we haven't heard anything from them since Eternal. Mm. Um, and then for 2024, we had um, a Fallout 3 remaster, a Ghostwire Tokyo sequel, Dishonored 3, and DLC for Doom Year Zero. Um, all those things. I think Fallout 3 remaster has been like rumored. I'm not sure if it's been announced at all or leaked at all. But I think I've definitely heard some mention of that in the last year or so. Mm. Um, otherwise, the Ghostwire Tokyo sequel is very new. <laughs> I don't think there's been any mention of that anywhere. Um, same with Dishonored 3. Um, but that news just made me sad of how gutted <laughs> Arcane is after Redfall. So I'm like... Mm. But I'm excited. I'll be excited for that one existing. So that's fine. But it's... Uh, <laughs> I want to see what that means. But um, yeah, so... Lots of lots of potential Bethesda games suddenly mm. revealed. See if they actually, how they actually pan out. Um, I mean, we, and then la- we know Bethesda's history of getting games out on time. <laughs> yes. What are you trying to say? <laughs> yeah. I'm saying uh, nothing. Mm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Um. Starfield still continues to baffle me in terms of why how it was released on PC and the way it was, but that's uh, that's I guess besides. There's such point. worse game examples of that problem yeah. up here. Yeah, I know, but like, yeah, but as yeah, um, anyway, we've spoken enough about it. <laughs> um, yeah, we ranted for an, an hour straight or something last week. Yeah, last week. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so um, lastly of this big info dump from Xbox um, is first details and plans for the potential next generation Xbox um, set for 2028 right now, Um, which from what we can tell is like, it's kind of hard to get a a lot, like a big focus is cloud hybrid games um, from the vision um, description. I think there's multiple slides for it, but we'll just be speaking from a little bit of it. Um, it mentions, quote, develop um, that the next-gen Xbox is to, quote, be a next-generation hybrid game platform capable of leveraging the combined power of the client and cloud to deliver deeper immersion and entirely new classes of game experiences. Optimized for real-time gameplay and creators will enable new level... We will enable new levels of performance beyond the capabilities of the client hardware alone. So it definitely sounds like they're going back to the well of what the Xbox One was announced to be. And trying that again, um, which is a better idea now than it was yeah. then. Um, ten years later, it's finally we're finally ready. <laughs> I'm actually still pretty skeptical of it, but yeah. it makes more the, sense. The question is: Is this like a if if you don't succeed, try again, or is this insanity is doing the same thing twice and expecting a different result? That's we, that's my thing. I don't think it's because. Like, from a streaming perspective, like, even, like, when I'm playing games streamed locally, like, just, uh, you know, from Steam, using this Moonlight app, so playing a game that's running on my computer, but playing it on the on the TV through the Moonlight app, that's all done via wired LAN, all right? And even then, there's always, like, there's latency there. So, imagine trying to do this like through a Wi-Fi based device 
and with games that are on servers that are you know mil- like thousands of kilometers away with the internet we have in Australia I don't know how well it's going to work realistically I, I think it might work really well on the highest end sort of PCs with the highest end internet mm. and the rest of us poor scrubs can go to hell yeah <laughs> yeah, but I've, I'm curious because it's like I was thinking about um, it's like in my head the two examples I jumped to is like Crackdown 3 being the main one when it was announced <laughs> yep. and that was mostly just server-side destruction which I'm guessing it can be way, done way better now and like the finals seems like a good example of it working well like that game mm. where that's all server-side I think and that works very well from the betas yep. So if that's kind of a... I'm not sure if that's a good example of it in 2028, though. <laughs> and in 2028, it yeah. should be a lot better anyway. Yeah. So it's like, I I'm do. curious what it's like. Um, I'm curious exactly what that means beyond just, I guess, meshing streaming, like, assets in. I don't. I, I really don't know. I'm curious exactly what that means other than just buzzwords, I guess. Or just yeah. leaning harder on it. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just, yeah. It's we'll see what happens. A uh, uh, part of me is like, instead of um, dedicating all these things to create new hardware, I just think you know, try and refine your your production line. Your you know whatever you need to do to make the consoles themselves cheaper, and you'll have more people buying and playing them. Like if you make the consoles cheaper, people will play them. Like more people will get them. So I think that's always. I personally think that's a better approach than trying to, you know, come up with some other new piece of hardware that inevitably takes resources away from the other systems. I guess that yeah. is what they've been doing already, though. It's like that was that's what the Series S was, and that's what Game Pass is. Yeah, it's making it all cheaper. Yeah, I mean, if you, I feel like. Instead of buying like a streaming stick, I feel like devices like the like if you if you're basically just running a stream, like a device like an Apple TV, or like you know those Amazon boxes, or even the Google Chromecast, might already be powerful enough just to do the streaming because like those devices play other streaming services like in G like Nvidia's streaming and um and local streaming so. Maybe you don't even need to buy a, a dev- like you don't need to buy a specific Xbox stick. Like maybe just you all you need is the controller and the app, and you're and you're ready to go. <laughs> yeah, we all love Stadia. It was really good. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, lastly, just to finish it off, um, Spencer, um, Xbox Games boss. Um, he said he's already he's responded to the leak. He said that the leak documents are old, and says that Xbox will quote share its real plans when we're ready. Um, he also had like an internal memo that got shared around that said more or less the same thing, but in a slightly sterner, angrier tone <laughs> that it happened at all. <laughs> um, and but yeah, he didn't have much to say, which makes sense because it it sucks <laughs> for them. <laughs> so um, yeah, we'll see. Um, otherwise, that's kind of you know. Xbox got their moment in the sun this week too. <laughs> Lots from all yeah. of them. <laughs> all three. Yeah. 
A big week for news. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. It's uh, yeah, I'm. I'm excited for what 2024 is going to bring because it seems like there's some cool games coming out. But yeah, please. I'm just I'm just saying like looking at the just the Bethesda stuff just reminding me <laughs> just like please make sure your PC versions r- run well <laughs> just please I beg of you just <laughs> take my money but give me a a a consistent experience cuz cuz the other thing that reminds me of it is that um Jedi Survivor got an update this week or last week and the PC version is still broken <laughs> and it's like yeah unplayable <laughs> it's like why <laughs> like it's it's just ah uh, it's just it's it's been like six seven months and and i was watching the digital foundry video about it and and the one thing they pointed out was that the language on this versus the language on the updates that came out previously and even for the original game makes it sound like this major update that came out this month is the last update for the game so potentially this game could be broken just forever. <laughs> right. I don't think that's good enough. Like, come on. Like nah. It's not. <laughs> yeah. It's pity EA is getting into this habit. <laughs> Cause like even yeah. like even Immortals I think came out and like that's more of a tech hardware like hardware mm. requirements. But it's like Dead Space yeah. wasn't great either. Like it I d it didn't play well enough on my specs to bother with yeah. it. Like, yeah. I just shut it off right away. Um, so it's, yeah, I don't know. It, it's definitely pushing me towards hardware more, <laughs> like to, the console versions a little more sometimes. That's what it did yeah. with Survivor, and I keep being tempted. It's like, oh, it plays well on PS5. Maybe I should get it now. And well, that's the thing, yeah. It's, uh, mm. Which, hey, it's great for people playing on consoles. Like, I'm not saying you guys shouldn't get good versions. I'm just saying that, if you're going to release a game on a system, make sure it's playable on that system. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter if you're a AAA or an indie. Like, you know, you should... Yeah, like, if, if you need more time, you need more time. And I, I'm not going to blame the testers because I'm sure that the testers, the QA test, they're probably yelling at their screens and, and calling out all the bugs. And, and, you know, it's the people higher up who sign off on games to be released in the state they are. So I don't... I'm not going to blame the individuals in the studio. I feel like it's more... Uh, a failure of management to uh, like either recognize the need to push the game back or you know having you know being greedy and w- wanting to push the game out and get get the dollars and cents in this quarter so they can say that they hit some target and get a bonus rather than pushing it to another quarter and facing the consequences yeah anyway yeah. that's yeah <laughs> Uh, well, that's going to do it for the news for this past week. Uh, we've talked quite a big bit this episode, so maybe we'll let's uh, keep it to a short chit-chat and talk about some of the things we've been watching this week. John. I I completely forgot this thing. Uh, this this show existed. Uh, Winning time: The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. I uh, I forgot that came out. Is this the one with John C. Riley? Yes, it is. Um, okay. It's a one that apparently broke up Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. <laughs> That's what the whole story <laughs> was last year or something. Was that oh, that was wow. a big part of its production? 
Um, it's it's very good though. Uh, like, cause I, I was I I like sports dramas even though I don't actually follow sports. Like they they work on me, <laughs> um, and it's like it's um it's 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 a lot more stylish than I expected. Like I won't say too much about it other than that it is it it is a very very good HBO drama that like a lot of HBO productions is very very good in most aspects <laughs> most qualities. Mm. Um, but the editing and like overall like visual presentation of it is shockingly unique and like fantastic like it's it's one of the most like kind of vibrant and sort of like what's the word like just i guess like visually distinct shows i've seen in a, mm. a long time which i wasn't expecting of a like you know a sports drama <laughs> like they can be energetic but it's like i was I'll, it's just it's very distinct in trying to like capture the 80s in terms of like like atmosphere because it tries to have this kind of like crunchy grain that looks like a vcr tapes a lot of the time that sort of like hazy effect it looks good or not like not vcr like or sometimes but mostly just like 80s film you know like actual film but it it goes really heavy on it so it's it's very um you don't see it done that heavy very often in um stuff made today so it's um but it's yeah and performances are very good and it's very um yeah i'm glad i watched it like i finished the first season yesterday and then i heard that the show got cancelled yesterday after the second season wrapped up so i'll get on that sooner soon enough but um it's yeah it's will ferrell he did it i keep thinking about like because it's it's very much a drama the sports element of it is like it's not about following the sports specifically as yeah. much like you know the game to game stuff it, it can be but it often isn't uh, but i kept thinking throughout it because john c Riley's like more or less the main character of it and i keep thinking about the will ferrell stuff and it's just like every, every other scene with riley who's a very talented actor and had a lot of examples of being a very skilled actor mm. in just film and tv is like i keep he keeps having these like amazing dramatic performances throughout and I keep imagining Will Ferrell in the same role and I just can't. <laughs> and it's like, I keep thinking about it, like, man, this show would be so incredibly different <laughs> with Ferrell yeah. in the role. Cause he's <laughs> just like, I don't think I've seen anything dramatic from him. Not to say he's incapable of it. It's just like, I just yeah. can't imagine it. Um, Cause yeah, it's that's not true. Like, it's not like they haven't done serious stuff before. Yeah. But it's, um, <laughs> but otherwise, yeah. Um, if that if that appeals to you at all um yeah definitely go check it out otherwise yeah that's been my week how about you guys uh, well after a few weeks ago uh, you may remember a beard talking about batman the animated series and that has inspired me to also watch batman the animated series hell yeah and it's i'm so good a great time it is so good i love it a lot it is so well written i there are some you know obviously it's still a lot some of the episodes are still kind of aimed at kids like it you can tell that early on it was trying to figure out its footing and and i'm watching it in the i'm watching it in the airing order which is different to the production order so some things might have been aired earlier than when they were produced so some of the episodes aren't like it's you can tell that they're kind of getting their footing they're trying to figure out what the show would be but yeah it definitely is very well written and surprisingly there's a lot of um 
a lot of kind of like a, analysis of Batman as a character, as a as a as a man, you know, the psychology of being him, which is really cool. Yeah, I think it the the idea that Batman is the is the real identity and Bruce Wayne is the mask was mm. touched on in obviously some of the comics, but I think in the mainstream. The animated series is really where that got solidified. So I think that's yeah. a, a huge theme of the series is mm. um, is Batman being being the true persona. Hmm. Yeah. And I love Alfred. He's so he's so like a uh, sarcastic in this. It's so cool. That's that's <laughs> actually really true. There's always a lot of talk about Batman and the Rogues Gallery. The supporting cast yeah. does a bang up job. Gordon. At his best, Alfred, beyond his best, he is <laughs> so iconic in this series. <laughs> I feel but like I wonder if this is the start of the sarcastic uh, Alfred and the exasperated James Gordon trope that you know later like movies and shows would kind of follow on. I uh, wonder. I think Alfred always had that that kind of sass mm. to him, but I think he never does it better than he does in the animated series. Yeah, and um, it, it's so like to me, Kevin Conroy's like person- the way he plays Batman is really amazing. Mm. Like, it's. Inc- like underrated in terms of his depiction of him, like it's crazy. And just the the presence and the different presences he has as both Bruce Wayne and Batman, where they're clearly very different, but you can you can tell it is the same person underneath it. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. And 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 the way he switches. Like there's an episode where it's he's playing Batman, he's playing Bruce Wayne, and he's playing Thomas Wayne. The same episode, but they're all different. It's cool. Yeah, I and understand. unlike uh, some of the live action Batmans, you can understand what he's saying, whether he's Bruce <laughs> or Batman. Yeah, <laughs> he's he learned to enunciate, and that's that's all I want from Batman at this point. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I need. <laughs> if I if I can both yeah. see and hear him, you've done a great job, <laughs> dude. He's so yeah. It's such a cool show, and um, yeah, like I've yeah. It's 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 interesting that this was the so Harley Quinn technically didn't exist. Harley Quinn was introduced in this show. And is now like when you think of Batman, you think of Batman, the Joker, and Harley Quinn. And Harley Quinn comes from this show. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I I was reading an article that said Harley Quinn almost didn't make it into the show. The DC executive didn't like the idea of Joker having a girlfriend. Said it was antithetical to who the Joker was. Um, yeah, which <laughs> I think only, yeah. that's a funny I think way to put we, that. <laughs> We dodged a bullet with that because Harley Quinn is brilliant. Yeah. Yes. Hot take. Hot take. <laughs> Harley Quinn. Good. Good addition to DC. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the thing. Like, um, the one thing I will say though is I'm watching it in the airing order, 
And so Harley Quinn, she just, I've only seen her in one episode so far. And I'm like, th- I might think I'm up to episode 29 or 30 in the, in the, the original TV airing order. And she's only appeared once as like a, like one of Joker's throwaway henchmen. Cause they, they seem to be like every episode, whenever one of the, the classic villains comes back, there's always like a new set of henchmen. And I guess people must have liked her in that episode because she came back later. And it was just weird because, like, Robin showed out of nowhere. Like, it was just... There was no introduction. It was just like, oh, Robin is just his sidekick. And then he disappears (laughs) again (laughs) for, like, another... for Yeah, it's so weird. So maybe the way it was originally aired is not... Was, like, maybe out of order of the way the story was meant to be and that's why you get a lot of this jarring stuff happening so yeah it's it's interesting <laughs> to say <Yeah>. the least <laughs> uh i'm i'm wondering in the the order you're watching them how that's going to work because i know eventually in the series robin does go on to become nightwing um yeah because i think <laughs> he does have a falling out yeah like isn't that the origin right like that's, that's how Nightwing happens, right? Yeah, eventually, he and Bruce have a falling out. He goes off to become Nightwing. So I'm hoping they don't have, you know, a Nightwing episode and then the big argument and then a Robin episode and they've just done it, yeah. done it backwards somehow. <laughs> yeah, because, like, they, they, like, in this, they, th- th- it was weird because they showed Harvey Dent. Like, in the first episode of this one, I think it was, like, the first episode in the airing order is the one with Man Bat. And that's the first one that was aired, but not the first one produced. And in uh, that no, episode... No, that's, that's the other way around. Is Man, it? Man Bat was produced first. Air date okay. was, was the one with Catwoman, which is why I was confused when you said you hadn't met her yet. Because that's yeah. the first one I watched. <laughs> oh. oh, man. See, that's that's annoying that, the, that there are two different ways. Uh, oh man <laughs> and, and the first season and like how like the seasons are weird because basically what they did was they um they commissioned 65 episodes okay one second because on Leather Wings which is the Man Bat one this is a D- okay so that's the DVD release order and okay so that's why things are weird <laughs> this is so weird so frustrating anyway but yeah uh, Catwoman amazing and I love the dynamic between Selena Kyle and, and Bruce Wayne and parallel with Batman and Catwoman I think this is a really cool depiction of Catwoman so I was very happy about that and uh, let's just say I got similar feelings to probably what you got when you first saw Catwoman <laughs> I'd, um. I'd be concerned if it didn't spark Spark some feelings <laughs> in everyone who watched it. <laughs> Catwoman is so cool. God damn. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because the the Catwoman episode technically aired one day before the one I saw, and then the second part of the Catwoman episode was the week after. So <laughs> it it was even aired weirdly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a baffling order. <laughs> Why did they do it like this? We may never yeah. know. That, yeah. But, but <laughs> speaking of... John, you got to watch it. 
in two weeks. Watch it again if you haven't already. Yeah, (laughs) I'll I'll hit the schedule and I'll watch it in two weeks, and we talk about it for thirty minutes. (laughs) This is an animated Batman podcast now. Yes, that's all it is. I'll do my part. Uh, But speaking of the nineties, what have you been watching a bit? Uh, I've been a. I've been watching Batman the animated series and continuing to do so, which is fucking awesome but i also got the chance to watch teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem which came out uh earlier this month this is the seth rogan produced reboot of the the teenage mutant ninja turtles uh movie franchise i guess separate to the the shows and the and and other media that have been going on on the side like they've kind of been steadily bubbling on i actually really like this um, despite the fact that the movie theater with, we were in had the volume turned down so low that you couldn't understand some of the dialogue, which was really annoying. Oh. But the movie itself was actually pretty fun. I think it's um, excuse me, it's very clearly it's it's very clear that this movie was specifically made for a younger audience in terms of the de- uh, the depictions of the actual. Like, it's cool because it's one of those movies that. Adults will enjoy, uh, especially if they're long-time fans of the series uh, of the of the uh, the franchise. But young kids and stuff can really get into it because it it does it it does a good job of building out the world and telling the story uh, of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and it does a very good job of actually depicting them as goddamn teenagers. Like they're using the up they're using the latest lingo and. And they they're all on their phones. They they're quipping, they 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 they're goofing around. They're having fun. I think it was I think it was a really good, uh, I think it was a really good, uh, like, telling of the Ninja Turtle story. And there was like, you know, the voice cast was amazing. I could not tell you any of the kids' names or even April's uh, voice actor, but I could say that like, you know Jackie Chan is Splinter. Like John Cena, Seth Rogen, Rose Byrne, uh, uh, Maya Rudolph, Ice Cube, like uh, Paul Rudd, you know, in the uh, the the cavalcade of uh, like bad guys in this movie, like the the casting was really great. The art was really really fun. It it it's one of those post uh, Into the Spider Verse animated f- movies where it does away with the like kind of the Pixar and DreamWorks style of just make everything kind of look like a video game where lighting and everything looks tries to be realistic but you're in an animated world. Here they really play with uh it it reminded me a lot of about of like, you know pastel-y, oil pastel-y kind of like uh like art and and a lot of very crooked lines and weird um weird uh like kind of proportions on things it's it's a really cool uh take on it but at at the end of the day leonardo's the leader <laughs> Raphael's the angry one mikey's the cool one donatello's the smart one but in this one he's smart and charismatic which is i think is a, a bit of a departure but uh it was really really like it was a fun watch yes it's 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 not the most deep movie and it does start off with like kind of like an sort of like an exposition dump, but given the fact that it's like written for young kids, I kind of forgave it because it had a lot of like fun goofs, uh, uh, cool set pieces, uh, like 
good good changes like characters actually evolve and and you know like leonardo transforms and becomes a better person and things like that so it does a lot of things right uh, and it was it was it was a lot of fun and i i encourage people to to check it out i think it's going to come to paramount plus later this month so if you get the paramount subscription or if you find other means to watch it <laughs> it, it it sounds yeah. like they've they've stuck to those classic turtles you know yeah leonardo leads donatello does machines um, yep. Raphael is cool but rude and then yes. obviously michelangelo is a party dude dude <laughs> uh, teenage mutant yeah. ninja turtles teenage Turtle mutant power. ninja turtles teenage <laughs> mutant ninja turtles and i think there are speaking of uh heroes in a half shell <laughs> I was waiting for that. Uh, I think there's like I think the v- some of the themes from the original video games, like on the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis, sorry, Mega Drive, uh, like I think they're kind of like they use as like musical stings as like ringtones or like al- like things in the background. And um, there's a there's one thing though that I think is weird because. I always knew it as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but I guess originally when it came out, it was Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles in some parts of the world. So I'm not sure if it was done here as well, but I know the UK had it like that. Weird. And so they referred to it like that at one of the points in the movie where you're like, okay, I bet in the US they say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles instead. Okay. Which is weird. Wow. But yeah. Yeah, I... um. I, I I when I was a kid I played I used to go over to my like like a uh, family friend's house and we'd play the the Sega Genesis or sorry the Sega Mega Drive beat 'em up Ninja Turtles game and I used to play as well what I on his TV looked like the yellow turtle but turns out it was probably Michelangelo I think he was like the orange one <laughs> so uh, yeah like I have fond memories of Ninja Turtles and I grew up watching the uh, the the, nin- the Ninja Turtles show uh tmnt which came out in i think it aired in like 2002 or 2003 so like when i was like a kid i would watch that before school so you know, old man of beer again this is your old man of beer moment for the week no uh, i was so super into I, that too i remember, remember they got like <laughs> <yeah>. new like <laughs> like different dimension weapon magic weapons or something yes <laughs> apparently Love like that in shit. season four or five they yeah they did the whole dimension traveling thing where they be, they went into some like interdimensional tournament or something yeah I, I just remember one of their allies got turned into like a horrible blob and they never resolved that plot line he was just a blob forever yeah, forever <laughs> like it was just a, other dimension. a horrifically miserable sort of end <laughs> for this for, for this fun comic relief sort of friend to the turtles turned into Jeez. a blob yeah. and just <laughs> that's where it ended <laughs> <laughs> So many plot lines in that show just never got resolved. So as a result, they ended really miserably. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Um, I think... Uh, so I am not sure if this character's... So th- the plot of the movie has to do with, you know, the ooze gets out, it's created a whole bunch of mutants, and then, you know fast forward 15 years later you got the TMNT you got the you got the cool dudes you, you got the turtles and then you got a whole bunch of other mutants being led by a character called Superfly 
but I think this is the first time that I think this is a new character. I don't think he's like Rocksteady Bebop. Like they've come back from the older kind of Ninja Turtle stuff, but I think this character is a new character for this movie specifically. I I couldn't find him being referenced in like the comics or anything like that. Okay. But yeah, unless I'm completely wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I can't also can't find anything. Yeah. Also, I just um, I rem- I, don't, I don't know where it was. I was probably watching some YouTube video, and like learning the f- about the fact that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was originally devised as a spin-off of Daredevil, and like the the origin story being that the ooze, the, like the chemical ooze that created De- Matt Murdock's kind of you know gave him the superpowers and made him blind, was the same ooze that kind of dripped into the sewer, and uh, you know created the turtles. And that, like, Master Splinter was a riff of uh, uh, Matt Murdock's sensei uh, stick. So well, it was like, cool. The whole thing was supposed to be, be a parody, which is, you know, why Daredevil fights the hand, the turtles mm. fight the foot. Fight the foot. Yeah. But no one goes for the head. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't say that back then. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I I like listen. It it is. There are some moments where you're like, oh, it's a little bit cringy, but it's it's funny. It, it I think everyone knew what they were making. They weren't trying to make anything too deep or too uh, like you know too preachy. It's just it's just a lot of fun, and yeah, I'm I'm excited for the uh, the inevitable sequel that'll come out because uh, spoilers. There's a Shredder Man around somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. If, stop me if you heard this. <laughs> He's a man who's got knives on his gloves. <laughs> oh, Shreddy Krueger. <laughs> Shreddy Krueger. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, I'd encourage you guys to check it out. Well, you know, when you can. I'll I'll get onto it as soon as I'm done with the animated Batman. Dude, so with the Batman, there's like the first season 65 episodes, then you got 20 episodes and 24 episodes. I didn't realize that. So apparently after the first 65, it becomes Batman and Robin, like the the adventures of yeah. Batman and Robin or whatever. Like, that's so weird. I didn't realize I, I the, could go on a the same whole, show. whole thing on this. They changed the title because then it's considered a new show because once a show goes past a certain number of episodes, you have to pay your actors more. Uh, oh, that's okay. a Screen Actors Guild rule, uh, okay. which is why, gotcha. if you look at a lot of you know those old Disney sitcoms and Nickelodeon sitcoms, they go to you know sixty-five episodes, and then Sweet Life of Zack and Cody becomes the Sweet Life on Something. Deck. Gotcha. Where you get gotcha. You know, the real adventures of Sabrina rather than Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Gotcha. Is, there's, gotcha. There's well, a lot yeah. of it about. Little fun Hollywood accounting <laughs> for you. Yeah. Well, uh, I know that I, I've uh, I've um, the the mask of the phantasm, which is the the live action, not live action, sorry, the feature film adaptation of the Batman animated series. I just got that on um, like the the f- the four K re release on Blu Ray because 
of course, it got taken down from streaming while I was looking for it. So I'm going to, I guess, finish the show and then hopefully by that time I'll have some sort of device I can play the the disc <laughs> and I'll, I'll watch it because apparently it's a good movie. Like It's actually a very, very well-made movie. So that should yeah. be fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe I'll, I'll transition into from Batman to Turtles with that 2019 Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I yeah, that I wonder seems if that like was a good. good way to do it. <laughs> yeah, There's three of those comics. <laughs> three of them. <laughs> they were quite really? good, apparently. <laughs> okay, well there you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you, thank you, everyone for. Uh, uh, listening and and following along to, for another, I guess, almost two hour episode. Um, yeah, Kai, <laughs> John, <laughs> thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> everyone at home. Head over to doublejump.co to read through uh, all of our past articles and find more episodes of Double Jump Radio. You can also go to uh, the site to find links to our social media as well as our community Discord server where you can go in and and tell everyone why we're both watching Batman the Animated Series in the incorrect order and there's there's another order that you've devised that makes more sense and we're wrong. (laughs) You can do that. Doublejump.co John, Kai, thank you so much again. And until next time, everyone, look out for one another. Peace. See ya. Turtle pal. Cowabunga! <laughs>